brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey there, lovelies. I'm jumping in early as I'm so excited to tell you about my collaboration with Ana Luisa, and I want to tell you about it straight away. Ana Luisa's jewellery is beautifully made, unique and edgy, and even better, there's no luxury markup, even though their jewellery is high-end, and they offset 100% of their carbon emissions, starting with the sourcing of their raw materials, all the way to the disposal of their pieces. And I can't wait for my Michelle-layered chain necklace to arrive. I love wearing necklaces that are layered, and this is a sort of necklace that will zhuzh up an outfit and make it pop, or it would look cool if you're wearing something casual or even wearing a bikini. Yep, I wear necklaces with my bikinis too, and you lovely lucky lot get the benefit of my listener offer and get 10% off when you use my code CRIMEANALYST. You'll want to check out their website as they have so many cool necklaces, earrings, bracelets, rings and ear cuffs. Just go to analuisa.com forward slash crime analyst and buy yourself or someone you love a treat and use my code crime analyst for 10% off. I absolutely recommend them. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com forward slash crime analyst for 10% off. One more time, analuisa.com, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com forward slash crime analyst for 10% off. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. Um, Can I also welcome the progress that has been made around this bill and the cross-party consensus that exists around many of the important measures. But I wanted to uh, take this opportunity to just pursue further the issues around stalking and repeat perpetrators of domestic abuse and what more needs to be done to to keep other victims safe from those whose violence escalates, those who pose some of the greatest threats. I do welcome the um, Minister's commitment now to a perpetrator strategy and that was one of the issues that we had raised previously in these amendments. That is very welcome. I hope that she or her colleagues in the other place will be able to give more clarity about how stalking will be included as part of that perpetrator's register, uh, that perpetrator's strategy because the wording is slightly constrained which I assume is partly about reflecting the scope of this particular legislation but it would be helpful to have some clarification of the government's commitment to including stalking and repeat patterns of behaviour as part of that perpetrator's strategy. But particularly I'm still very concerned about the, the lack of strong underpinnings to the commitment to take action against these most dangerous perpetrators whose abuse continues and escalates. The Minister spoke about being able to uh, change Categories 1 and 2, or the interpretations of Categories 1 and 2, to include um, domestic abuse in those perpetrators who are already included. That's fine, and that will be welcome to take account of their domestic abuse threats. But it won't
won't include the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of repeat perpetrators of domestic abuse and stalkers and high harm perpetrators who will not be included by either Category 1 or Category 2, who as a result won't appear on the register, who as a result won't be included in the MAPA arrangements. The Minister says that Category 3 will in future include them. But we're talking about what would need to be a massive, massive shift in the way Category 3 currently operates. Not a minor tweak to the guidance, not a few tweaks and changes, a little bit of adjustments here and there. We need a massive change. At the moment, there are only 330 people on that Category 3 list. That is half the number that there were 10 years ago at a time when we know awareness of stalking and awareness of repeat perpetrators of abuse has increased. And that 330, that also includes a whole load of other offences, not just domestic abuse or uh, stalking as well. And so it is tiny in proportion, not just to the over 80,000 people who are already on the high-risk offenders register, but also tiny in proportion to the stalkers and the repeat convicted domestic abuse perpetrators, uh, tiny compared to the number of them who go through the courts every week, who go through the courts every month, but don't make it onto these registers so that a proper assessment can be made, so that proper action can be taken to prevent them committing more crimes to prevent them committing more, putting more lives at risk. So that's what I'm seeking reassurance from her about. That's why we wanted this to be legislation, not just tweaks to the guidance. We need legislation in order to deliver this substantial shift in the response from the police, the response from probation, the response from specialist agencies, because we're just not doing enough. We've talked many times before about it being two women a week whose lives are lost as a result of a partner or an ex. It was two women a week ten years ago. Not enough has changed. Why is anything going to change now? Hey there, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Crime Analyst and the Intelligence Cell. So I hope you caught the last episode. And now that the dust has settled and I've caught my breath, let me bring you up to speed with the key headlines of what happened in the latter stages of the Domestic Abuse Bill, now the Domestic Abuse Act. The clip that you just heard was Yvette Cooper MP speaking. Now, I've worked with Yvette Cooper across many years in the House of Commons, and she also chaired the Home Affairs Select Committee review into domestic abuse, which I gave evidence at in 2018 in Parliament. Well, following my evidence to the committee, they made the recommendation that serial domestic abusers and stalkers should be included on the Violent and Sexual Offenders Register, VISA for short, or the Register, and managed via the multi-agency public protection arrangements way back then. Well, that was a vet addressing the Minister and Parliament in the House of Commons on April the 26th, and I'll tell you more about that momentarily. I just want to quickly recap where we left off before I jump into the Commons debate. Now, you might recall when I gave a proper full update was when we won the landslide victory in the House of Lords on March the 15th. Well, after that, the House of Commons, led by Minister Victoria Atkins, voted down Amendment 42. Or I should say the government, led by Minister Victoria Atkins, voted down Amendment 42. And I've talked about that. 
Minister Victoria Atkins said that adding a new category, what I called Category 4, would add, in inverted commas, complexity to the MAPA process without any gain. Well, as you know, I, along with many others, beg to differ, although she never really fully explained what this so-called added complexity actually was. Well, following that, it went back to the House of Lords, where there was another debate. Now, Baroness Jam Royal made the point that since our landmark victory in the House of Lords on March 15th, 16 women had been killed by a man, and she read out their names, just as I did in the last episode. And we know from Karen Ingula-Smith that it's more likely 26 women at this stage. So I also told you in the episodes with Georgia Gabriel Hooper that during this time it was National Stalking Awareness Week in the UK and some of the most senior Conservative ministers posted videos pledging to get tough on stalkers and to help victims. And yet they voted down Amendment 42 just days before they posted their videos. Well, what happened thereafter was that Lord Kennedy and other peers quite rightly called them out on it in the House of Lords, and Lord Rosser followed on by making the point that many reports have been published, including reports where senior members of the Conservative government, like Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, and Robert Buckland, the Lord Chancellor, as well as Alex Chalk MP, all made the recommendation that serial stalkers must be identified proactively and placed on the register visor, But here they were just days earlier voting down that very amendment. As I said before, shameful and what an insult to victims, and I'm saying it again. The only way you get tough on stalking is by getting tough on the stalkers and holding them to account and responsible for their behaviour. And that's not happening right now. And I want to give you some stats just so that you understand how dire the situation currently is. Now, we know that in England and Wales, in 2017 to 2018, 10,241 cases of stalking were recorded by the police. That's not reported, recorded by the police. And only 25% led to a charge. And in 2018 to 19, there was a 10% decrease in charges. We also know that 60% of stalking victims are given no protection when they report. Now, that was a stat in a recent report published during National Stalking Awareness Week by the Susie Lamplew Trust, who also recorded those very videos with the various ministers. And so you can see the problem is actually getting worse and not better. And that's the backdrop and the context that we have to set this debate in. And again, it's exactly what I'm trying to change by ensuring a you-must approach to recording and checking perpetrators' histories and joining their histories up and working with other partners to close down that behaviour and stop the escalation. We know that most will have a history. Stalking by its very nature denotes that there is most likely a psychological issue of some description, an attachment and or relational problem is most likely, and so it will show up across someone's life course, i.e., put another way, it will not be a one-off. The challenge is reporting it firstly when it happens, so for victims to come forward, and then the police identifying it as stalking, i.e. a pattern of behaviour, and then them recording it accurately, and them searching someone's background and history, and of course there being a national database to check, or a national register, convicted or otherwise, which there hasn't been to date. Now currently the routine inquiry, the checking of someone's history, which should just be a basic part of the investigation and conducting a risk assessment and inputting information and intelligence on a police system is currently not being done. Yet these are the perpetrators most likely to seriously harm and or kill women and children 
yet they are not currently being flagged and managed at the multi-agency public protection panels, as I've already said many times, mainly because their behaviour is not seen as serious enough. So just go back to Georgia Gabriel Hooper's mother's case, Cheryl, and think about Andrew Hooper, who was charged with a fray, even though he broke into his ex-wife's house in the early hours of the morning, armed with a knife and wearing surgical gloves, and he threatens to kill her. This was not seen as stalking, when it clearly was. The same is true with the police officer who reported Jason Smith before Zoe Dromfield. Jason Smith was charged and convicted for harassment. Again, this was seen as low-level crime, and he only served three months. These sorts of cases are exactly why I campaigned to change the law on stalking in the first place, and also thereafter to increase the sentences for stalkers to 10 years. The maximum sentence before that was five years, and I, along with others, including Dr. Ellen Aston, who was stalked for eight years, mounted a successful campaign to make this happen. Now, Dr. Ellen Aston's case was truly terrifying and horrific. It was a near miss to murder, and one where Dr. Ellen Aston and her husband Kevin were incredibly proactive, and we joined forces and worked with Alex Chalk and Richard Graham MP, two Conservative MPs, to lobby for law reform. We eventually got the right outcome due to my work with Baroness Jam Royal in the House of Lords when we pushed it to the vote and we won. And then the government conceded and agreed to increase the maximum sentence for stalkers to 10 years. And so it was only after a huge battle that we won yet again. Ellie's case is another horrific and harrowing case that perhaps I'll tell you about another time. But you might be recognising a pattern, and that's what we have to fight for absolutely everything. Every little protection for women, which is why this is my eighth law reform campaign with victims' voices at the centre of it, and it's been the most challenging to focus on perpetrators, those who cause the harm. And so after we won on votes again in the House of Lords, 291 to 228, the domestic abuse bill went back to the House of Commons, And that's the clip you heard of Yvette Cooper MP speaking in the chamber on the 26th of April. Now, this is where it's confusing and interesting, because in between the House of Lords and House of Commons debates, there were numerous articles in the Times newspaper, building on previous positive and supportive comments made by both Priti Patel and Robert Buckland, which included the following quote from Priti Patel. There is something about perpetrators and their serial offending that has to be addressed. Well, that did sound positive. And government sources also briefed that they would support the stalking register, telling the Sunday Times that the move also had the backing of the Justice Secretary, Robert Buckland. That seemed really positive. And Baroness Royal, Baroness Brinton and Lord Rosser also had a number of meetings with Baroness Williams over a period of days. And they were somewhat nail-biting, to be honest. And it was just as I was leaving for my baby moon. That was on the Friday, and the next debate was on the Monday, and so everyone was asking what was happening. It was a very dynamic, unfolding situation, and it was really coming down to the wire. Let's talk makeup for a moment. What's your daily makeup routine? Are you an out of the door with a messy bun, a mascara vibe? Or are you coiffed to the max? Or maybe you're somewhere in between, like me. Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. Thrive Cosmetics' Bigger Than Beauty mission is amazing. 
For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. I love that Thrive Cosmetics supports domestic violence victims, breast cancer survivors, and women who are emerging from homelessness. It's a beauty brand and a philosophy that goes beyond skin deep by empowering women. Did you know the first product they launched were false eyelashes, which was motivated by the fact that cancer patients lose their eyelashes? How amazing is that? I love their new sheer strength lip plumping peptide gloss. It gives you a visibly fuller looking, luscious lips without fillers or uncomfortable stinging sensations. It's also ultra hydrating and there are 10 shades to choose from which enhance your natural lips, six shines and four shimmers. Support and empower women and treat yourself or a loved one. Thrive Cosmetics is a luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash crime analyst. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash crime analyst for 20% off your first order. I want to tell you about my sponsor, Factor. Factor makes healthy eating easy. And health and fitness starts with good food. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Fuel up fast with Factors, restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I've had the chicken parmesan and the turkey chili and zucchini, and they're delicious and I highly recommend them. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Now, they've done the maths, and Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash crimeanalyst50 and use code crimeanalyst50 to get 50% off. That's code crimeanalyst50 at factormills, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormills.com slash crimeanalyst50 to get 50% off. Baroness Williams did agree with us that perpetrators' past histories of behaviour must be included in Category 3 of MAPA, as well as to the perpetrator strategy, including domestic stalkers, and the violence against women and girls strategy, including stalkers too. So that all seemed positive. And again, that's what you heard Yvette Cooper MP thank the minister for agreeing to the perpetrator strategy. Now, that wouldn't have happened without our amendment. However, Minister Victoria Atkins made no mention of this in her speech in the House of Commons on Monday the 26th of April before Yvette Cooper spoke. And later on, she was pressed on this numerous times by Yvette Cooper and she asked whether domestic abuse perpetrators and stalkers with past previous histories were to be included automatically at MAPA under Category 3. However, Minister Victoria Atkins continued to obfuscate and wouldn't answer the question directly. Now, I was watching the debate and it made me feel very uneasy. She said a lot of things, but she just wouldn't answer that question. And you see, this was and is the nub of the problem. 
We've been pressing for automatic inclusion of these perpetrators under Category 3, and that was not made clear by Minister Atkins whether this would be the case. Now, just to clear things up, you see, creating the extra category, Category 4, which is what I proposed, that would have meant that they would have included them automatically. And that's most likely the complexity that Minister Atkins stated, i.e., if I decodified that language, something would have to be done to manage these perpetrators, and that would mean more money. And so following the debate, the Home Office then put out a briefing to the media regarding the next steps in the domestic abuse bill. And this is the area that caused utter confusion for many. It just wasn't clear whether this was happening or not. And I subsequently received a lot of phone calls from very confused journalists. Just before the House of Lords debate on Tuesday the 27th, I then did the BBC Radio 4 interview with Zoe Dromfield. Now that's the interview that you heard at the top of the previous episode, episode 20, where I said that Minister Victoria Atkins didn't give clarity on this matter when asked in the Commons about automatic inclusion. And just to give you an idea of the issue, there are three categories that offenders are managed at in MAPA. Currently under Category 1, 60,000 perpetrators are being managed. In Category 2, more than 20,000 are being managed. And in Category 3, just 330 perpetrators are being managed. That is the problem. And the difference in numbers are staggering, which only serves to further highlight that serial domestic abusers and stalkers are not being flagged routinely to MAPA and the system isn't working. Now, that's important to recognise. You see, previously, government ministers said that the system was working fine. And now, finally, they agreed with us due to the overwhelming and compelling evidence that we highlighted. And so with Category 2 offenders, they must have served a 12-month sentence or more. And due to domestic abuse and stalking not being taken seriously and judges not being trained on coercive control and stalking, unduly lenient sentences result. And so they're not likely to be sentenced to 12 months or more. In reality, we're talking weeks or months at best in the rare cases that domestic abusers and stalkers are charged and sentenced. And therefore, most would need to be managed at Category 3. Well, I hope you're following what I'm saying, because I want to give you some more information, which is this. We estimate that there are roughly 50,000 serial abusers that would need to be managed. And so right there, that's the gap. Well, it's not just the gap, it's a freaking chasm. 330 versus 50,000. Now that would mean commitment, money and resources. And then you would actually have to do something to keep women safe. And that's why I've been banging this drum for so long. I wanted to ensure it was automatic so that they go on the Violent and Sexual Offended Register. The register is a short version that everyone calls it in the media, but Visor will soon also be decommissioned and a new system will be piloted and it will be called MAPS, the Multi-Agency Public Protection System. And that is another positive outcome and consequence of this campaign in Amendment 42. So let's now fast forward to the House of Lords debate the next day on Tuesday the 27th of April and you can hear for yourself what Baroness Susan Williams had to say on behalf of the government. My Lords, could I start uh, my comments by thanking um, in particular um, the Noble Lady, Lady Royal, the Noble Lady Brinton and the Noble Lord Lord Russell of Liverpool uh, for the very constructive discussions um, that we've had on this matter, uh, both at the end of last week and indeed just this morning. Um, 
to make what I think we'll all agree is a very good bill um, and just to make some of those, those um, final, final adjustments um, at the end. The Amendment 42D put forward by Noble Lady Royal seeks to amend the Criminal Justice Act 2003 to provide for a new category of offender to be managed under the multi-agency public protection arrangements known as MAPA. The intention is then that such offenders are, are recorded on VISA, the Dangerous Persons Database, although it's not set out in the amendment. The new category would cover perpetrators who have either been convicted on two or more occasions, and convicted is the operative word, convicted on two or more occasions of a relevant domestic abuse-related or stalking offence, or have been convicted of a single such offence and have been assessed as presenting a high risk of serious harm. Um, my Lords, uh, the elected House has now disagreed with Noble Lords' amendments on this issue for a second time, and again by a substantial margin. Um, that said, my Lords, we agree that more needs to be done, but we don't think that this amendment is, is the right way forward. Many have asked why Government won't support the amendment, and the simple and honest answer is that we don't think it will be effective in seeking the changes that we all want to happen. If it was, and I've said this before, we would have no hesitation in supporting it. When the bill was last in this House, I set out in detail our concerns surrounding the amendment, and I won't go through that again. Um, but I don't think, in essence, it adds anything substantial to the current legislative landscape around MAPA. Much has been said during the course of our debates and in the media about what this amendment will achieve. An example of this is that it will uh, create a register, which it doesn't. And in fact, um, Noble Lady, uh, Lady Royal and others have, have, have said that is not what they wish to achieve. Equally, it doesn't address the issues of perpetrators not being charged and convicted with the offences that they have committed. And we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that MAPA is a framework for the manage, management of convicted offenders, and a good number of the cases cited of failures to intervene relate to perpetrators who had not been convicted of an offence. I just want to take a moment to place both of these points on the record because any miscommunication on this highly important issue feels deeply unfair to victims. I know that the noble lady, Lady Royal, wouldn't want any such misunderstandings to take root. This is a very sensitive and difficult issue and there isn't uh, an easy uh, uh, solution to it. But what I want to stop focusing on, and Noble Lords will know that I've done this the whole way through the bill, I don't want to focus on where we don't agree, but instead put our focus on the many areas that we do agree. Everything I've heard during the passage of this bill continues to lead me to the firm belief that the issue that we need to address is not the legislative framework, but how offenders are brought to justice and, once convicted, how MAPA operates on the ground to ensure that agencies actively identify those offenders who pose the highest risk and then manage them effectively. 
I want to reassure the House that we are undertaking a substantial programme of work to tackle this issue from multiple angles to make a real difference to the outcomes for victims. I would like to take the opportunity briefly to go over these again and to provide some further updates on developments. We will refresh and strengthen the MAPA statutory guidance to make clear that convicted offenders who demonstrate convicted offenders who demonstrate a pattern of offending behaviour that either indicates serious harm or an escalation in the risk of serious harm related to domestic abuse or stalking, which is not reflected in the charge for which they were actually convicted, should be considered for Category 3 management. The guidance will set out the importance of being mindful of the totality of an offender's behaviour in domestic abuse, abuse and stalking cases, and I know that this is a very important point for the noble lady. The strength and guidance will ensure that all agencies involved take steps to identify offenders who are domestic abuse perpetrators whose risk requires active multi-agency management and to take action based on that risk no matter what the category. The guidance is statutory, which means that agencies must have due regard for it. It is in no sense voluntary. And I should add that the updated guidance will be dynamic, will keep it under regular review to ensure that it reflects developing good practice. We will consult MAPA responsible authorities and duty to cooperate agencies on the updated guidance by the summer recess and once we have their views we will also share a draft with the noble lady lady royal lady brinton and the noble lord lord russell of liverpool we'll also consult both the uh, domestic abuse and victims commissioners once the revised guidance is settled we will promulgate it through a written ministerial statement and this will provide an, op an opportunity to update the house on the delivery of the other commitments I have set out and Noble Lords uh, talked this morning perhaps about um, some sort of uh, debate in this place uh, perhaps after the summer recess I'm very very happy um, uh, this, that's the beauty of this place we can organise debates um, uh, through, through Noble Lords um, we will have oversight of and monitor the impact of the updated guidance through the Responsible Authority National Steering Group this group is chaired jointly by the Chief Constable, who is the National Police Chief Council's lead for MAPA, and by the Public Protection Group Director in HM Prison and Probation Service. The group provides strategic direction for MAPA responsible authorities and partner agencies and monitors key aspects of their performance. Senior nominated representatives of the police, the National Probation Service and HM Prison Service, as well as specialist representatives from the Youth Justice Board, the Department of Health and Social Care, the Home Office and the Parole Board are members of that group. In addition to the role of the Responsible Authority National Steering Group, I have no doubt that the Domestic Abuse Commissioner and the Victims Commissioner will also be monitoring the impact of the strength and guidance and the other actions that we are taking. In addition, HM Inspector of, uh, Inspector of Constabulary um, has the police uh, response to domestic abuse as part of its thematic inspection programme 
for 2021-22. And the inspe inspectorate will also continue to monitor progress made by policing against recommendations from its previous thematic inspections of the police approach to tackling harassment and stalking. There will also be a continuing role here for the prisons and probation inspectorates. In the case of the Domestic Abuse Commissioner, I would remind Noble Lords of the powers available to her under Part 2 of the Bill. In particular, the police and others are under a duty to cooperate uh, with the Commissioner, and this includes the provision of information. Moreover, the Commissioner can make rep recommendations to Ministers, the police and others, subject to the duty to cooperate, and they will be required to respond to these within 56 days. Taken together, my Lords, Part 2 affords the Commissioner important powers to monitor progress in strengthening the management of perpetrators, whether under MAPA or other arrangements. In addition to the statutory guidance and to ensure maximum accessibility and clarity, we will publish a succinct thresholding document to guide practitioners in deciding on the most appropriate level of management. The different levels of management under MAPA are set to ensure that resources are properly targeted at those offenders who pose the highest risk and, of course, are the most complex to manage. But we need to be sure that action is taken where there are indicators of escalating harm for those managed at the least intensive level. Therefore, HM Prison and Probation Service will issue a policy framework for its staff setting out clear requirements for their management of all cases at MAPA Level 1. This will further help improve the quality of information sharing, the consistency and regularity of reviews, and importantly, the identification of cases where additional risk management activity is required. Both the policy framework and the thresholding document will include specific reference to domestic abuse and stalking perpetrators. We will decommission Visor, which is now almost 20 years old, and bring in the new multi-agency uh, public protection system, which will be piloted from next year. We'll bring forward a new statutory domestic abuse perpetrator strategy as part of a holistic domestic abuse strategy to be published later this year. And following discussions last Friday with the Noble, Lady, Lady, Noble Ladies, Ladies Royal and Brinton and the Noble Lord, Lord Russell of Liverpool, we have modified the Government Amendment in lieu to expressly reference stalking that occurs within a domestic abuse context. And as I've indicated, I believe that the MAPA guidance that the perpetrator strategy... Uh, I believe the MAPA guidance, the perpetrator strategy, is the appropriate place to address the issue of risk assessments, taking into account past patterns of behaviour rather than on uh, the face of Amendment um, 42G. In the last debate, the noble lady, Lady Royal, asked about the dual strategy approach. In the summer, the Government will be publishing a tackling violence against women and girls strategy, and further to the Government's amendments in the Bill we will also be bringing forward our complementary domestic abuse strategy. This approach will allow us to focus on lesser understood violence against women and girls' crimes, while a dedicated strategy on domestic abuse, given its high-volume, high-harm nature, will ensure that it gets the attention that it deserves.
The Vogue strategy will include a perpetrator strategy pillar, which will, amongst other things, address stalking perpetrators. I should clarify that violence against women and girls is an umbrella term. And whilst we know that these crimes disproportionately affect women and girls, we do recognise that men and boys also experience them. We will therefore consider this as part of the Vogue strategy alongside updating the male victim position statement. We're also legislating already in the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Bill to put beyond doubt the powers of duty to cooperate agencies to share information under MAPA by clarifying existing information sharing provisions. And we're investing new resources to tackle perpetrators with an additional £25 million committed to the, uh, th this year. My Lords, while we might not agree with the approach set out in, 20, uh, in 42D, we, we, we do not shy away from tackling, uh, to, taking action to tackle this issue. The last time the Bill was in the House, many noble Lords, including the noble Lady, Lady Royal, agreed that these actions that we've taken uh, and we've set out are tangible and would make a real difference in improving the efficiency and effectiveness of current offender management arrangements. I hope that the noble lady and the whole House will support Motion D so that we can uh, pass this truly landmark bill and it can be enacted. I beg to move. Did you follow along? In a nutshell, Baroness Susan Williams agreed that more needs to be done and she said that government are not shying away from the issues that we've raised. But they don't think our amendment would be effective in seeking what we want to see change. Instead, they want more guidance and the perpetrator strategy. The latter, as I said, we campaigned for and they agreed to it, which is great. But that alone won't ensure all those who have been convicted on two or more occasions of irrelevant domestic abuse or related stalking offence or a single such offence and who have been assessed as presenting as high risk of serious harm would be automatically included for MAPA management. And that is what Amendment 42 would have ensured. And yes, to Baroness Susan Williams' point, I have highlighted that many perpetrators are not convicted. We know that the conviction rate is low and we know that there are those who still pose a risk and they must be managed under Category 3. Category 3 would include those perpetrators who've not yet been charged. That is already within Category 3 MAPA guidance. It's just not being used. And therefore, our Amendment 42 would have covered both of these bases and ensured that these men are managed one way or the other. And we have the perpetrator strategy to pick up those others and ensure there's a focus on early education and awareness raising and early intervention and prevention. Are you still following along with me? I know it's technical in parts, but I hope I'm explaining it okay. And so Baroness Susan Williams wasn't having both key strands of our amendment. She only agreed to one, the perpetrator strategy, and they agreed to more updated and revised statutory guidance that would be monitored and managed and would go to the Domestic Abuse and Victims Commissioner. Well, I certainly look forward to seeing what this new and improved guidance looks like and ensuring that happens through the Domestic Abuse Commissioner, Nicole Jacobs, as her role has now been enshrined in the law with the Domestic Abuse Bill receiving royal assent on Thursday the 29th of April, just two days after this debate. But I also want you to hear Baroness Jam Royal's response to what Baroness Susan Williams said. 
My Lords, I'm very grateful to the noble lady for her full response, including to my own amendment, which followed the government's revised amendment and which was passed in the Commons last night. I'm also grateful to her for our very constructive meetings and for the letter responding to the issues which were raised by me and my colleagues in our meeting. I think it was last Friday, but it feels like a long time ago. Yes, we have come a long way with this very good bill. And indeed, on the perpetrator's strategy on both stalking and domestic abuse. I'm glad that our various debates have highlighted the fact that the current system is not working. Indeed, it's indefensible and leads to thousands of women living in fear and hundreds murdered. It is for this reason that the noble lady and and I are in complete agreement that there must be change. The change that I believe would be most effective and I will continue to argue in favour of is the inclusion on the new database of all perpetrators of serious and serial high-risk perpetrators of stalking and domestic abuse. I have to say that I'm perplexed by the articles in the press, I think it was the weekend in the Times, which suggested that a comprehensive database would soon be forthcoming, and nothing has been said at the dispatch boxes, either in the, in the Lords, in your Lordship's House, or in the Commons, to confirm this. But, but I leave that to one side. I was confused last night when listening to the Minister in the Commons address the issue of the MAPA categories, although the noble Baroness, the Minister, has been much more, much clearer and more explicit. The new policy framework is welcome, but could the noble lady again confirm that domestic abuse and stalking will be flagged in Category 1, so that when assessing risk or managing a sex offender, they will have to consider whether he poses a domestic abuse or stalking threat. I believe that to be the case, but I would like her just to make that point once more. I am grateful for her assurance in writing that all Category 3 offenders will be on visor and therefore on maps. My biggest concern uh, last night, listening to the Minister in the Commons, was that she did not propose a significant expansion to Category 3. Quite the contrary, she rejected the repeated suggestions from my rational friend, Yvette Cooper. She repeated the current, that current practice, that it will be up to the professional judgment, professional curiosity, and I must say that I find that quite a strange and unfortunate phrase, of the relevant authorities as to whether they think a domestic abuse or stalking case could benefit from being managed through NAPA, And my lords, that's not good enough. The minister spoke of the flexibility of MAPA 3, which, as my honourable friend Jess Phillips pointed out, was part of the problem in that there's no proper direction for its use and the resources are so stretched that they can't use their professional judgment. But that flexibility is also part of the solution in that its use will now be expanded. It's very good to hear that Category 3 will not be restricted to people who have been sentenced for one year or more. I believe that to be the case, and I would like the Minister to reiterate that. We all agree that that's where a major gap has been, that people have not been sentenced, yet are serial perpetrators and whose actions escalate into heinous crimes are still out there, and there is no information about them being exchanged. Adequate resources are critical. If sufficient funding is not available... The people making the decisions will be constrained in their actions. Last night, the minister mentioned an an additional £25 million. Will any of that be ring-fenced for MAPA 3? 
If not, could I ask the noble lady what additional resources will be specifically allocated to MAPA 3? Currently, my lords, there are only 330 offenders in total under Category 3 MAPA, compared to over 60,000 in Category 1 and over 20,000 in Category 2. Those in MAPA include all offences, but in future it must, absolutely must, include the thousands of high-harm repeat perpetrators of stalking and domestic violence. The Minister has been very clear that when assessing a risk of stalking or repeated domestic abuse, there must be consideration of a person's past patterns of behaviour involving stalking or domestic abuse. That's a major step forward and is very welcome. It is only with the new guidance mentioned by the noble lady that we can ensure that practice really is changed so that that serial and high-harm domestic abuse and stalking perpetrators are flagged to MAPA and heard there. But that guidance must be informed by experts. It must be informed by the people who will use the guidance who are frustrated that the current system is not working. Everyone using the new guidance must be trained in order to effect the change that is so desperately needed. That must be included in the guidance and the requisite funds made available. We would expect the head of MAPA to ensure that this happens. The ever-vigilant Lord Russell noticed that NOMS is looking for a new head of MAPA. I'm sure that he will speak to this, but I would merely urge that the current job description is updated to reflect the changes which are being introduced in this bill. I'm glad to hear that the guidance will be dynamic, and I think that a debate in the autumn on the guidance is an excellent idea. Could I also have the assurance from the noble lady that specialist domestic abuse and stalking services will be invited to attend MAPA? Timing is the essence. The minister has given her assurance that the MAPA guidance will be revised before the summer recess. Thank you. With regards to oversight, I'm grateful for the explanation as to the current plans that it will be undertaken through the Responsible Authority National Steering Group. I may be wrong, but it doesn't look or doesn't sound as if that is an impartial body. It sounds as if they will be required to mark their own homework. And we believe that the oversight must be independent. The minister said, I have no doubt that the Domestic Abuse Commissioner and the Victims Commissioner will also be monitoring the impact of the strengthened guidance and and the other actions that we're taking. However, we firmly believe, I firmly believe, that the independent monitoring and oversight must be taken by the Domestic Abuse Commissioner, who clearly has the powers and must have systematic access to all of the information relating not just to people included in MAPA 3, but those whom she might believe should be included in MAPA 3. It is in this way that the Commissioner, your Lordships and the wider world will be able to measure and judge the success of the actions outlined by the Minister, including the strategy and the revised guidance. My Lords, I beg to move. Now, following Baroness Jamroyal's speech, there were other speeches from peers making it clear that we didn't think this sufficient and that guidance alone doesn't change culture. And Lord Kennedy, Baroness Brinton, Lord Rosser and others also underlined in no uncertain terms that we would be coming back to seek law reform if this approach doesn't fix the problem. And Lord Brian Paddock, a former senior police commander in the Metropolitan Police Service, also made it clear that I was the leading expert on this subject and should be consulted as did Baroness Jam Royal, so I'm keen to see whether that happens. 
And so with that having been said, Baroness Jam Royal didn't press to the vote this time. She said that Baroness Susan Williams did answer our questions and Baroness Williams made the point, as did Minister Victoria Atkins and others, that the clock was ticking if the bill were to receive royal assent, like I said, which it did on Thursday the 29th of April. And so you might be wondering, as many still are, what was the upshot of all of this? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And so, after all the hard work, we didn't get everything that we wanted. We didn't get the automatic inclusion of serial and high-harm domestic abusers and stalkers on the register, Visor, soon to be the new MAPS database. And yes, I still want automatic inclusion. That in itself would create a real-life consequence for the first time for abusers, and that alone would act as a deterrent for some. Not all, but some. You see, what I understand about the psychology of perpetrators is that those who seek control do not like the control taken away from them, and they don't want the stigma of it either. And that would be the flipping of the script. For the first time, they would be the ones living in fear, looking over their shoulder, wondering what's happening next, and their behaviour being checked and controlled, rather than women and children. But we didn't get that. Despite our lofty and admirable efforts... In fact, we couldn't have fought or lobbied or campaigned any harder. Well, that's how I feel about it. And I'm deeply sad and disappointed about that, so much so that it's actually taken me some time to talk about it on this episode. However, as downhearted as I felt about it, there are some silver linings, and it is important to underline the significant wins we did achieve through this campaign, which include... The Comprehensive Perpetrator Strategy, which will include domestic stalkers. Now, this is huge. And like I said, it wouldn't have happened without this campaign. The new National MAPS Database, the multi-agency and public protection system, which will replace Visor, and it will be a digital and up-to-date system detailing Category 1, 2 and 3 perpetrators' histories. The new statutory guidance that will make it crystal clear that serial domestic abusers and stalkers must be considered for inclusion at Category 3 and their past previous history must be taken into account. Monitoring and oversight of Category 3 offenders by the Domestic Abuse Commissioner and the Victim Commissioner. Domestic Abuse and Stalking Services to be included at MAPA. £25 million that will be invested by government into holding perpetrators to account Now, with this one, I do want to know how much will go to Category 3 being expanded. And lastly, we shouldn't forget or underestimate the power of this campaign in raising awareness of many cases and failure of the system and professionals in it to effectively identify, assess and manage the risks posed by serial coercively controlling perpetrators and stalkers. And let's not forget the other wins in the Domestic Abuse Act, which include making threats to share intimate images a crime, giving victims of abuse priority need status when applying for homelessness assistance. The Act will establish the Domestic Abuse Commissioner's Office in law. The Act will also recognise children as victims and not witnesses and will also include economic abuse in the statutory definition of domestic abuse. 
the recognition of post-separation abuse through coercion and control in criminal law, the banning of cross-examination of victims by perpetrators in the family and civil courts, imposing a legal duty of local authorities to provide shelter for abuse victims, and it will make non-fatal strangulation a specific offence. So there are some key gains, and there are many survivors, campaigners and professionals who fought hard for these changes. Kudos to you all. But damn, we've had to fight so hard for common sense gains to protect women and children, and that's just so confounding to me. We seem to have a government who believe that they know better than the experts and survivors, and that blows my mind. So to circle back to the question, is the Domestic Abuse Act landmark and pioneering as the former Prime Minister Theresa May set out for it to be? Well, you'll have your own opinion on that, and in some countries I guess this would be deemed pioneering. But to me, these are just common sense changes rather than anything radical that will really shake up the system and force abusers to change and regulate their own behaviour and to keep women and children safe. But interestingly, Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, held the new law saying it would, and I'm quoting from her directly, it would ensure perpetrators of these abhorrent crimes are brought to justice. Well, I have to say I'm confused as to what she's basing that on. I just don't see anything in the Act that will ensure that happens, as the government voted down Amendment 42. But I am heartened by a new domestic abuse commissioner, Nicole, who has a background in domestic abuse, and I hope she will monitor Category 3 of MAPA and request each police force submit their proactive policing plan regarding serial perpetrators and stalkers. And then we'll be able to see if it's working or not, and then I hope to work with her to bring about the legislative reform that is really needed. And so, rather emotionally, I want to end by thanking all those who spoke out, including the victims, families and survivors. A special thanks to Georgia, Zoe Dromfield, Rachel Williams, John Clough, Celia Peachy, Charlotte Neer, Nick Gazzard, Jama Aitchison, Charlotte Budd, and also to Rachel Riley and Denise Welsh for getting behind the campaign and amplifying the victims' voices. You'll find Rachel and Denise's excellent articles in the show notes, and I also wrote a number of articles or was quoted in a number of articles, like for The Guardian and The Independent, which also make it clear how disappointed I was, and still am, and I feel that it's a major insult to victims misleading them, particularly with The Times articles and the minister giving no direct answers in the Commons when asked. That leaves me with very little trust and confidence, and I'll remember those who voted against this, and I suggest you do too. They'll need your votes coming up, and if they don't value RX, don't give them your X when the time comes. And lastly, I want to thank all the professionals and specialist services who supported the campaign, and to all of you for your support and writing to MPs, and to all the MPs who did support it, and of course to the peers who also led the charge in the House of Lords. As I said, this has been such a roller coaster of a campaign. It's been very personal for me. Of course, it's professional too. But when you're working with victims, survivors and families who have been bereaved because an entitled serial perpetrator escalated their behaviour and killed, it really does mean so much more. And it's been peppered with such highs and lows. And I'm admittedly utterly exhausted and depleted. But I'll rest up and recharge, as we all do. And we won't stop here. This is in no way the end. There are some clear deliverables for the government now. And as I always say, the stakes are high. We know the clock is ticking until the next murder. 
As I keep saying, women and children's lives depend on it. They aren't just statistics or points of failure or numbers to be read out, nor are they isolated incidents. And I know deep down, guidance won't fix the culture. The government missed a golden opportunity here to do the right thing, and I'll be bringing this back in another legislative bill to ensure this happens if their fixes don't work. And you'll be hearing more from Zoe Dromfield, Rachel Williams, Celia Peachy, and about other cases that I've mentioned. Next week, I'll be back deconstructing the murders in Yorkshire and Manchester and the Samson Report, and I can tell you that I've found some more mind-blowing revelations that literally have made everything make sense, and not in a good way. So please join me back in the Intelligence Cell next week. Until then, be curious, ask questions, and always trust your instincts. And here's my final two cents before the episode wraps. The first is a huge thank you to all of you, my lovely listeners and crime analysts, for tuning in every week. The second is an ask. If you like what I do, please take two minutes to leave a five-star review on whichever platform you listen to me on. It really helps others find me and helps with the ratings. So thank you, thank you. Crime Analyst is written, produced and hosted by me, Laura Richards. Sound engineering by Tim Hansen at Harfoga Studios. Cover art and graphics by Chris Raybottom at Syndicate. And music by Kilrood. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.